Offering bundled products is quite simply one of the most important things you could do when running an online store. Bundles are so effective that it's one of the few things that's on every single product page on Amazon. Why? Because it works! The easiest way to add powerful and flexible bundle options to your store is the Bold Bundles app. It's become my favorite bundle app. I recently learned it's one of the few on Shopify that doesn't duplicate products or variants and doesn't rely on coupon codes either, so it doesn't mess up your inventory. Every store has a different idea of how they want to offer bundles. Bold Bundles can handle them all. It could do traditional group bundles, BOGO bundles, even no discount, you may also like bundles. The coolest thing though, at least according to me, is the combo product. Bold lets you create a virtual product that represents the bundle, so you can edit the product just like any other in your store, but when a customer adds it to the cart, Bold Bundles adds all the products in the bundle at whatever discount you set. It's seamless. So if you want to add bundles to your Shopify store and increase your average order value in the process, I highly recommend the Bold Bundles app. And as a listener of the unofficial Shopify podcast, Bold is offering it to you free for two months. Just go to kurtelster.com bold, and you can install it from there to get your exclusive offer. kurtelster.com bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores, like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page, so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster, a.k.a. And today we are talking about retail. And normally on the show, we talk about these these digital first, online only, or an online store that has uh, a pop-up. And really, like, online is their focus. And that makes sense. Uh, but recently I was talking to, is a, this week I was talking to a, a merchant who had a, a successful Shopify store that they had added to an existing business that their father had started. And they had eight retail locations uh, in a major metropolitan area, uh, and they'd started it in the 80s. And that was a, it, it was a, a tremendously successful business, but it also had a lot of legacy systems, and that created issues. So if you've got eight retail locations and inventory in a warehouse, and a business that started in the 80s, the chances are there's a whole lot of legacy systems in there. And so if you have these, uh, an existing point of sale system in your business and inventory system and accounting system, how do I get all of that to talk with Shopify? Do I need to get it to talk to Shopify? Why do I care? Well, it turns out there's a lot of uh, pains or problems there and opportunity. So. If you find yourself in that position, your existing retailer with a Shopify store and some legacy systems, all right, this is about as niche and laser focused as it gets, but this is the the episode for you because I have 
a gentleman here who's quite experienced in all of these areas. I am joined today by Kevin McKenzie, currently the CEO of SKUIQ, which helps small businesses connect their Shopify platform to their brick-and-mortar point-of-sale system. But he's got even more interesting experience than that. He was the chief digital officer formerly at Westfield, which I'm currently... Westfield's my landlord. I'm in Westfield Old Orchard Mall in Skokie right now. And uh, also uh, helped lead the creation and development of CNET's Marketplace, which CNET, uh, no no small brand. So, Kevin, thank you for joining me. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Kurt. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Uh, Okay, so... Let's start. Let's def- let's start by defining who we're talking about, who we are trying to help here, because you have so much direct retail experience, um, having been this this big uh, uh, mall landowner. So, talk to me about who we're we're speaking to here. Yeah. So I think most of us have been in a mall, <laughs> and you know the t- <laughs> the tip the yeah the typical kind of the way merchandising stores work in a mall is you t- and it's changing as we've all seen is you typically have you know two department stores an anchor on one an anchor department store like Nordstrom's on one side and then maybe Macy's on the other and in between you hear this term called inline retail so you have a bunch of stores in the middle and those stores are made up of classic kind of national brands um, that we've all heard of like Apple <laughs> an Apple store um, to kind of small mom and pop stores that are really locally known. You probably, if you know, if I'm in California and you're in Old Orchard, you probably have stores there that I've never heard of because I don't live there or work there. Um, and these are stores that are in categories like jewelry or um, footwear or sporting goods. And they were born offline, meaning great example that you just brought up. They might be one to eight stores that were born in maybe the eighties or maybe the nineties. And they're kind of live or die based on the um, total uh, gross merchandise volume that's done out of that physical store. And you, you know, obviously online has been important for a long time, but we all know that, you know, COVID was a huge catalyst to moving people quickly. Uh, online. It's been more important than ever. Like a lot of these stores have the mindset of, yeah, if I have a Yelp listing or if I have a, you know, a listing on Google local, I'm good. You know? And then I think when COVID hit, they went, oh, oh boy, we really need to get prepared for buy online pickup or curbside pickup. But we have so much invested in our legacy uh, accounting system, inventory system, or just simple point of sale system that how do we connect these things? Like we have to be on Shopify, but is there a way to connect um, our existing uh, systems, which I like to call connected retail to Shopify? Because boy, we never want to sell something, you know, online that we don't have in stock. Everybody will be angry. uh, And it just, it throws a wrench into the overall business operation. So that's kind of the classic definition uh, of what I think is a really big market. It's kind of that long tail market out there. So I've got you know I'm a I'm an independent retailer, and I've got uh, one location or perhaps a location with inventory in multiple locations, and then I've got this online store. And for the customer, the expectation is that these things are all representative of each other. 
and yet the reality is if I go on the website verse that will show me probably a lot more availability than necessarily what's in the store and then the real pain comes in when the assumption is made that what's online is not is also available in the store and it turns out it's not or hey I want to be able to buy online and pick up in store and I can't is that right right that's exactly right and I'd say that's you know, hopefully most of these merchants are customer first. So that's kind of the customer to merchant pain. And then I think their internal pain is really, they have all these systems that they have to keep up to date just to account for their inventory and their business. And so this idea of having to kind of log into multiple interfaces and update it is painful and time consuming and too many things can go wrong when you're, you know, logging into multiple windows. So, you know, what they need, and they don't have an IT team, they don't have um, developers that are on call. So they really need this ability just to connect their retail and just make it work. Um, and so that that's really, a, we think, a, a very big market opportunity. So for the, the customer, the pain is that disconnect and like the annoyance and disappointment um, of discovering it the hard way. And the for the retailer, suddenly you find yourself uh, in the IT business trying to support these kind of band-aid solutions are what I often see, where it's a lot like, oh well, there's like this Google Sheet and that Google Sheet, and every day, mm-hmm. you know, uh, my son-in-law Brian goes and copies and pastes the columns. So, oh, well, sometimes he screws it up and it goes in the wrong column. You're like, oh geez, like this guy, <laughs> this is yeah, this is painful, and they know it's a problem. But then they also don't know what to do about it. And then it, right. it also develops inertia where you just kind of, you're like, well, that's how we've done it. So it's kind of how we're still doing it. Right. That's it. And you're not, you know, that old term, you're not going to teach an old dog to new tricks, right? They're just, as much as we hope everybody modernizes into the 21st century, it doesn't work that way. Right. And so you have to, you really have to kind of have empathy for that, which I, I really learned, you know, going from, CNET and e-commerce into brick and mortar, which was terrifying at first, but then I developed real empathy for the, for the problems that I was seeing um, in that physical marketplace. The Absolutely. Um, are there other pains, problems, or considerations that we should mention? Yeah, so here's... Uh, here's something where I've seen, and I was blown away by this, and it's actually for the opposite. Um, so now more than ever, you're seeing um, big, you know, Shopify Plus brands like Allbirds um, is a great example. Born Online are opening physical retail stores, and Untucket is another example. And so, you know, these are stores that we all learned and saw grow online on the Shopify platform. And then suddenly what happened internally is, you know, they raise a lot of money, they want growth, they get really good at digital marketing and buying eyeballs on on Instagram, Facebook, Google. But to some degree, it turns into kind of a race to the bottom, right? It gets really expensive and you hear the terms like um, CAC cost per acquisition or LTV, and so they go, oh, you know what? In order for us to grow, it's kind of the opposite. We need to open physical retail. And so one of the other use cases we're starting to see are you have kind of digitally native brands open a store 
they're, they're looking at their online data and their offline data through their point of sale and they go, whoa, it's actually more efficient for me to acquire new customers in a physical retail store than it is Google or Facebook. And the reason why is if I do all the math of what it takes to kind of open a physical retail store, operate it, acquire customers, you know, walk by foot traffic. Um, and then I, and then I see the return purchase of online traffic, um, LTV, it's actually better. And what, what we're seeing in our data sets is, uh, and I can't see the names, but there's a, a very popular brand who uses us. They opened a store and the zip codes that were in proximity of the store, like old orchard, the, um, e-commerce business went up by, in some cases, if they marketed locally 300% over 30 days or 43%. And so this, these insights are really, really phenomenal. And it's just kind of a third dimension or third use case of kind of merging and understanding how do you connect this, these data sets to kind of understand the value of cost per acquisition in physical retail. Um, and, and so that's been fascinating to see. So there's a, a synergistic effect that occurs here. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. It's, you know, the data that I'm seeing and, and I, I used to be in the digital media business where it was all cost per click and LTV and cost per acquisition. It, 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 it's like, if you think about physical retail properly as a digitally native first brand, you can actually probably get better economics in some cases than, than you could from Instagram or, or Google. Uh, based on what I just said. Mind-blowing. Yeah, I'm actually seeing that data, which is mind-blowing. Yeah, it's absolutely mind-blowing. It's quite the, <laughs> quite the turn we've taken. Is it because has, uh, has rent gone down? Or is it because uh, customer acquisition costs through PPC ads has gone up? Or both? Uh, I, I think it's both, but I mean, it all depends on the category, right? It's PPC ads, you know, the bigger the market, the race, you know, the, 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 the higher the cost and it's kind of a race to the bottom. And, and so at some point, you know, when I was in the mall business, I kind of benchmarked, right? So if you were doing between 30 and $60 million annually as like a Shopify plus brand, you're kind of hitting a plateau in how how much faster you can grow purely on cost on on cost per click and so you kind of have to think okay well it might be time for us to open stores and i if i could measure the cost of opening a store in the same way that i measure ad production and um, marketing is a science and all the bits and pieces that go into kind of understanding your cost per click and LTV. But I kind of take that same mindset and apply it to brick and mortar. I might get better economics and we're actually seeing that we're really seeing that, which is, which is fascinating. So I would say, you know, we talked about two use cases, you know, two for the mom and pop, but this is a use case for, for really for, for the digitally kind of first brands, Shopify plus brands, as they think about opening physical retail. And so it's, it it is simultaneously customer acquisition and data insights and this like yep. hyper local targeted growth yep exactly and you know your cost in opening a store is you have the, the physical build out and a landlord like westfield's gonna you know contribute to rent based on the, the number of years that you sign a lease for then you have your cost of goods your inventory 
And then you have your staff, your operating costs. And so if you look at the math and you go, okay, there's a one-time cost to kind of design and open the store. And then there's a reoccurring monthly cost of cost of goods and staff. Is that, am I making a return when I not just look at the sales in the store, but when I look at my zip codes in proximity to the store, did they go up? Uh, and the answer is typically yes. <laughs> and if you look at the math that way and you look at these two unique data sets, it's a fascinating way to look at physical retail now. And I just fundamentally believe that's how it's going to be in the future. I think that's how landlords are going to charge rent. And I think that's how brands are going to value physical retail. Not that different than they value Google and Facebook as digital channels of acquisition. I agree with you. And I see because I, I rent an office in a Westfield mall and mm -hmm. I see the change happening. You know, we have um, in, in, uh, within Westfield's management, I think they refer to them as dynamic retailers. You know, like we have these these brands that are as comfortable as a physical retail location as they are with their online presence. And mm -hmm. that's really uh, that makes for an ideal tenant. Yes. And the uh, within the, the mall itself, just looking around, you see that happening. You see more of those stores that it's like, oh, you know, I recognize that as a DTC store. And mm -hmm. now that's in this store or places like Apple, where it's really more showroom than anything. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And then absolutely. on top of that, we have, there's two Amazon stores in one not particularly large mall now. <laughs> two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's, you know, here's a brand that, you know, kind of invented digital marketing, right? And, is in, and now they're putting most of their investment, including buying Whole Foods, <laughs> into physical retail. So it's just a, like what's old is new. That's and, exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah, and and so I, I don't know. It's an, I wouldn't have seen that or even had that perspective if I didn't kind of myself start online and then really appreciate the power of physical retail. But so, it, it, you know, bottom line, there's just this whole idea of connected retail or what some people maybe used to call omni-channel or whatever. There's so many different applications that are, I think are pretty exciting, both for the long tail retail, that mom to pop that we, you know, that we talked about, but also for that cl those classic kind of big brands from Amazon to Untucket to Allbirds that are seriously investing in physical retail. And so I just get excited about it. And, you know, I'm really passionate and really, I think there's so many insights and so many applications that come out of these two unique data sets. I wonder if we'll see these brand aggregators and that are buying up uh, Amazon and, and Shopify brands at a tremendous rate over the last 18 months, start uh, pooling them together and then opening um, pop-up and retail locations for them. Cause it's like, it might yeah. be tough to do, like if you have a brand that's got a handful of items, may, maybe that's tough to support. But you know, if I'm an aggregator, uh, a PE firm, and I've got this portfolio, and across all of them, I've like you know, 200 related products. Okay, well now maybe I can open a few pop-up stores or retail locations, proper retail stores, uh, with these items. You know, Kurt, I, if it were me, and I worked for one of them, and what I've learned with physical retail is, I, I there's a couple things I would do, right? So one is, which they all can do. Um, is I would be like, I'd go, okay, where are my existing customers from a kind of market geographic standpoint? Well, they might be concentrated in 
this market or that market or New York or wherever. And I go, huh, just like when I buy audiences on Facebook or Instagram, I'd say, well, what's the addressable market have lookalike people that are kind of live and work in those markets? And I know, you know, I'm sure, and then that would help inform where would I pop up physical retail? And then I would do some experiments and it's that old saying like buy low, right? You, it's never been easier to rent something today given COVID. Like let's face it, landlords are definitely struggling right now. So it's a good time to kind of negotiate and get flexibility um, in, in testing. And then I would measure what we just talked about. You know, I call it the halo effect, which is I physically opened a store like what happened to my e-com business and zip codes in proximity to the store? Did they go up? And what's the delta between, you know, before and after? And, and I think they would, they would correlate to see incredible growth. And, and it'd probably be economically more efficient than it would be to go buy more people on Google or Facebook or Instagram. That's how I would think about my retail planning if I were them. It, man, it's really expanding my mindset here because I had not thought about it in these terms before. I don't, in my head, I suppose I, I was myopic in that I had really siloed these things. And I think for a lot of retailers or merchants, that that's what they end up doing and not necessarily intentionally, but you end up with your tools, your, your tech stack, they end up with these, these two things that don't talk to each other. And I've exactly. got you know, my, my Shopify online store, my point of sale system, and then potentially um, inventory management separate of that. And then I'm trying to get all of this stuff to talk to each other. And then my bookkeeping is also wrecked in the process. How can you increase your Shopify sales by 10 to 15% overnight? This is not mission difficult, Mr. Hunt. It's mission impossible. Don't worry, Tom Cruise. This mission isn't impossible. Just use Zipify one-click upsell. Got mobile optimized offer pages that drive sky-high conversions, plus built-in split testing for maximizing your results. It's no wonder one-click upsell has made its users an extra $162 million in sales. And it only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To start your free 30-day trial, go to zipify.com kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash Kurt, K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at Zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. So what what do I do beyond just, you know, dedicating hours to double data entry and just accepting that there's going to be some misrepresented inventory along the way? You know, I think what we're good at, right? And it's really nerdy and geeky, but... You know, obviously there's there's database schemas behind all these various systems, whether it's accounting, whether it's a point of sale system or whether it's Shopify. And, you know, where it gets really complicated is you have things like variants, right? Which is just so painful. Um, like, okay, I have a large black t-shirt in the context of Shopify, but I also have one in the context of Clover, which is a point of sale system or Lightspeed or whatever it may be. Um, how do, I, how do I connect this information without having to write a bunch of code to keep it up to date? And, you know, it's kind of an unsexy term, but there's just, you know, middleware to do this now. And, and we think we're pretty good at it. There's lots of different solutions, but we think we can make it, you know, without having to have a computer science degree, 
let's just log in, let's connect these systems, let's connect our retail and let's, let's kind of program the business rules in a really easy pull down menu, kind of eight step process, and then let it do its work and go. So we don't have to think about double entry and we don't have to have concern about selling something, you know, to the consumer and pissing them off that we don't have in stock. So these solutions now exist. And this is something that we're really, uh, we're not the only ones by any means, but we're, we think we, we like the category, we're calling it connected retail. And, uh, and that's what we do. That's I like, I like connected retail for this as a better catch all term than omni-channel. Cause to me, omni-channel sounds ominous and it uh-huh. usually really refers to, I've got an online store and then I also have online marketplaces less mm-hmm. than I've had that. Like that's a much more, um, common scenario that omni-channel refers to as opposed to we've got the much more classic uh situation of we have an online presence and we have a physical presence um that's now, that's it yeah, yeah you're right i used to go to these silly um you know real estate conferences and there would be these big keynotes and they, you know, someone would come out and say, Omnichannel, right? And all these people would just look up and be like, wow, it sounds like an amazing term, but I'm not really sure what it means. <laughs> you know, and so like I would scratch my head and I've been in technology a while. So I was like, okay, well, I just think it's not, I mean, that's a, that, that term will exist forever. Don't get me wrong, but I just think it's about connecting these two worlds and making them work, right? That's really what it is. And that's why I like to call it connected retail. And so one of the, Going into the holidays, I think uh, especially, and with the the pandemic, one of the things that suddenly became went from a nice to have to um, possibly table stakes for physical locations is is Bopus buy online, pick up in store, and right Bopus is such a fun <laughs> fun acronym to say. Oh yeah, um, but well, it, I'm assuming that you have some insights or at least an opinion there. How important is Bopus? I, I, you know, this this pandemic is awful. I mean, I love retail. I, I grew up managing sporting goods stores. I fell in love with, with e-commerce. And it, it, it's just awful, this pandemic. And, you know, I don't, obviously it's not over yet. Um, and it's, it, it's a live or die thing, I think, right? So if you're... That example you said, a merchant you met that was born in the 80s and has eight stores, Bopus is, you better know what that means, right? And it's incredibly important, especially for the holidays. And, you know, you don't want to publish information on your Shopify site that's out of date that, you know, how awful it would be you're, you're during the, like, I think it's in some cases, 60% of your revenue comes during the holiday seasons as a small medium brick and mortar store so you cannot afford to have information wrong on your on your um, shopify site whether it's your catalog of products that's in your store or your availability and that all leads to bopus right it all leads to bopus and so it's that important um, this year probably more than ever given who knows what's happening with this variant and who knows what part of the country will be shut down and what part of the country won't you know from day to day and and so that it's incredibly important in my mind. Well, and the the looming specter of shipping delays, which I think we're already predicting mm-hmm. is a thing we're going to have to struggle with again this year. 
It really is. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, like it, I, it, last year, I, I I kept talking about shipping in. This is gonna, this is a problem. It's going to get worse. It, it's going to happen. And I had a lot of people who are like, oh, you're just trying to get um, f- uh, free publicity, which I thought was r- ridiculous. But this year now, like we're in September, and it's already national news that you're going to see the same thing again. So it, suddenly, uh, I'm in a position where I'm not happy to be right. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think you can't avoid Bopis. But all right, so the the really the limitation, the the pain that happens is the online store has to rep has to know the inventory that's available in the physical location and vice versa. And there can't really be a delay between those things. So the middleware software, be it yours or I'm sure there are others, um, or maybe I do it natively. I've got the Shopify online store. Yeah. I have the Shopify yep. point of sale system. And they mm-hmm. talk to each other. How, yeah, what are some of the, the problems there? I bet if we peel this onion back of just making inventory sync, this seemingly simple problem is actually a lot more complicated than we think. It is. Yeah, there's a lot of nuance with it, right? So, you know, Help it's funny. understand that, it. Yeah, the, you know, the biggest problem is 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 variance. Variance is an awful, awful <laughs> term. It's ugly, right? And you know, you've got obviously, uh, especially in in you know, it's it's less of an issue obviously in in food and in restaurant and, and more in kind of classic retail around sporting goods and apparel and jewelry, where you've got so many different sizes and colors of a single product, um, and Just so many things. About shoes. Shoes, yeah, shoes. And like exactly. Have, it's got ten sizes and potentially comes in multiple colors and widths. Oh no! Yeah. So my one product and listing turns out is actually like thirty to a hundred SKUs. That's exactly right. And you know, middleware at the end of the day is just a big Rosetta Stone between translating. Okay, well, in the context of Shopify, it means that as a variance. In the in the context of my legacy retail um, stack, for lack of a better term, it means this. And when you add variance as another variable in the mix, a lot of things can go wrong. Um, and, you know, you end up, you know, having a case where you're, you know, it, it says one thing on one system and another, and then you end up, customer says, wow, I've, you know, this unique size 11 and a half of this color of a shoe is being published on, on Shopify, my Shopify instance. I go in, I'm super excited to go get it. I go to the physical store. And it's actually the pink one, not the blue one <laughs> in size 12, you know, 11 and a half. And it's just due to the database schemas and the taxonomy of how people are organizing this information. There's just too many things that can go wrong. And then everybody loses. The customer's angry. Um, the, they get bad ratings on Yelp. You know, they're given bad, the merchant is given bad ratings on Yelp or, or other places that could hurt their business. And it all just starts to fall apart. Um, and that's why this this middleware and kind of connecting this, these retail systems is so core and so so important in our minds. All right, my worst case scenario here is someone places an order online, they choose buy online, pick up in store. Someone in the store buys it. How do you account for this scenario where we keep these things um, from overlapping? So. What we do is it's not just about, you know, syncing inventory and catalog 
It's about actually routing the order too. So in the scenario of let's say Shopify, you're using Shopify to obviously offer e-commerce and an order comes in and let's say you want to route that order to your legacy retail technology stack and you know, like a um, Clover or Lightspeed or even Square. Um, Square's got this really cool thing, it's called an order manager. And so what we're able to do is take that order that initiated on Shopify and route it actually into the terminal of let's say Square uh, and give it a unique flag. So when the, um, the, the clerk uh, authenticates into their point of sale system, they actually say, hey, there's an order that just came in online. So they know that you know, if Kurt comes in and he's expecting his order, Kurt is, is labeled, he's in the point of sale system. So an attendant can actually identify you, Kurt, with the order for buy online pickup. And we're, and we're doing that all with, you know, legacy systems. I mean, I totally believe like Shopify is amazing at, at point of sale and e-com, but let's face it, Shopify is an e-com first company in my mind um, and point of sale second. And there's a lot of differences and nuance between the two. And I, I also don't think with small to medium businesses, you're ever going to just have them convert off their legacy operating procedures and tech stacks into one, you know, one cohesive vendor that provides both. And so um, what's unique is, is routing that order into the legacy system in a way and in a context that those clerks understand and how to react, uh, if that makes sense. No, it does. I think the, the other issue, especially when I think about middleware, especially like ERPs, mm -hmm. if someone says to me like, oh, we're implementing a new ERP, it'll be done in a week. I'm like, all right, well, I'll see you in six months. <laughs> exactly, uh, yes. <laughs> right? So your experience when connecting uh, connecting my online store and my POS system with a piece of middleware, what level of effort, what, what kind of lifting are we looking at here? Um, it, it is lifting. I mean, look, SKUIQ is not a young company. Um, I think because of COVID, you know, we've, our business has accelerated more than ever. And, and the, like a lot of businesses, I mean, look at Shopify's market cap. I mean, it's just exponentially accelerated and it, it but it took, it took eight years <laughs> to figure out how to connect these systems, right? Like it's hard. Um, and so to do that on your own, even if you have a huge IT budget, you could have all the engineers in the world. It, it's, it's, it's really simple. Uh, I mean, it's really difficult and not, not simple. It took us years to figure it out. So to do it independent when you're not special, a specialist, I can't imagine in most cases. That's why we exist. The, yeah, I can't, the, the difficulty of trying to manage data translations between two systems, let alone, how many platforms do you support right now? 10? Yeah, about 10. I mean, that's got to be maddening. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. I mean, the APIs are changing. Not, I mean, it's not quarterly changes. It's, it's, it can be weekly changes. I mean, we're constantly monitoring. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's monitoring database schemas, right? Of all these various systems, because you have to be good at that in order to connect them. Um, and that's, that's, that's what's really difficult. But I think that's also that your answer is also the argument for why even if you had the skill set, you probably 
don't want to own the middleware. Like if certainly some of these legacy systems are things that we've seen retailers had made as bespoke systems for themselves. And now like, oh good, you have found yourself in the IT business. Um, and that's why I think there is an advantage to outsourcing these um, these things to uh, software as a service apps. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's um, especially if you're small to medium in size, meaning you don't have big budgets and you don't have the yeah, time. Yeah, if I'm the gap, the okay, I'm probably yeah. making all kinds of weird stuff right, on my own. Right, right, Um The, okay, well, I want to know, given your, your vast and varied experience, what predictions do you have for us about Q4? What is our, our holiday for e-commerce and retail going to look like? I, you know, I think a lot of it is obviously contingent on this pandemic. And I think, you know, I'm no expert um, in it, but it, it feels like there's pockets of this pandemic around the country. Um, uh, and, and, and so that it's, it's almost like different parts of the country, uh, from a retail perspective are affected in different, different ways. Um, so you might have one part of the country where it's, it's not so bad and, and people are freely walking around and, and not only purchasing online, but they're purchasing offline. And, and, and I think, I think it's going to be incredible because uh, I think people are excited. They want to get out again. They want to experience the holidays um, and with their families and 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 purchase things. And I think we're going to see an incredible uplift uh, in certain pockets of the country in physical retail. Um, it'll be three or four x what we saw last year, and exciting. And um, in other parts of the country. It won't be. Um, it'll be depressed, and uh, and you know probably people will struggle. Merchants will struggle. Not just not just because of COVID and, and what its impact of physical retail, but what you talked about earlier, right? Which I worry about the supply chain. I think that's going to have a really big impact. Um, it could have a very negative impact on on retail because it's this weird thing where you'll have tons of demand but no supply. <laughs> Um, and so I think it's all going to net out, but I do think it's going to net out to, to positive, uh, not negative. Um, I just think it's going to be different in different parts of the country, as opposed to looking at the country holistically, it's going to be different in different parts of the country. During the pandemic itself, we saw like some categories got, got crushed. Like if I'm selling uh, swimwear and luggage, not so great for me, but if I was selling, uh, baking supplies, et cetera, things worked really well. Mm-hmm. I think there's uh, way less of that this year, but certainly uh, there, there will be some dependence on category. Um, I like your, your insight about geography. I think that's, um, I had not considered that, but you're, you're absolutely right. But overall, you're right. I think net all of the industry analysis I've seen has been 100% optimistic where they're, they're mm-hmm. saying, hey, you're going to see uh, growth in retail. You're also going to see growth, year-over-year growth in e-commerce. And I thought what was interesting in most of them, they had uh, e-commerce growth uh, higher than retail growth. I figured it would be mm-hmm. the other way around. Um, well, it's not been it, the case. 
Well, you know what? I think it depends on how you look at it, right? So the physical retailers who have survived have done everything we just talked about, right? They got, they got really good at Bopus. They got really good at fulfilling out of the store. And so what's exciting about that for this retail system, this retail year, is I think you're going to have more of a selection of product for the consumer than you've ever had in the history of e-commerce, ever. Because for the first time, it, it, you know, COVID, it's awful, but it really forced those classic, you know, small boutiques that we've all been in, you know, walk through and these lovely towns in main streets uh, of America, they've actually activated their physical retail online for the first time ever. And so all of a sudden people have access to that. And that's a merchandising mix. That's a product mix that's never happened before until this holiday season. So I think that's the exciting part. And, and we ought to see lift from that generally is my view this holiday season. I like it. And let's, let's end on that note. It, it's optimistic. It's positive, And I think it's accurate. Uh, Kevin, where can people go if they need some middleware to connect their legacy system to their online yeah. store? Yeah. So I hear you have some software for that. We do. We do. We are in the, it. we're in the Shopify app store and it's just SKU, like a, like a product SKU, uh, IQ, SKUIQ.com or SKUIQ in the Shopify app store. And we'd love to help you. Um, we're, you know, the company we're well, we recently got financing. We've built up our support. That's the other thing, Kurt is it's, we have to support this from a customer support perspective. It's not an easy thing to do. We really want to be good at it. We want to, we have great content we're producing and we want to be really helpful in connecting everybody's retail for this holiday season. SkewIQ.com. Cool. Uh, yep. You know, if you're listening, you know immediately if you're in a position to need this. Um, certainly, Kevin has, has proven his authority in this space. So uh, definitely consider it. Check it out, SkewIQ.com. Kevin, thank you so much. This has been uh, really insightful. I enjoyed it. Kurt, thank you. I enjoyed it too. Shopify's online store 2.0 is here, and I have some very exciting news for you. Out of the Sandbox just updated their best-selling Turbo theme to be online store 2.0 compatible, and it's better than ever. Ooh the Turbo theme is a personal favorite of mine. Its update is packed with features like new faceted filtering, sections on product and content pages, and support for meta field modifications. Honestly, this is one of the best themes. Plus, Out of the Sandbox offers a 14-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. Head over to outofthesandbox.com unofficial to get Turbo today. And don't forget to use the promo code KURT20 for 20% off your theme. That's K-U-R-T-2-0. Save yourself the FOMO. Buy Turbo today. If you'd like to help us spread the joy of entrepreneurship, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. If you're listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe up over the cover art of this podcast. You'll find some episode notes, including links to sites we discussed, and maybe some details you missed. You'll also find offers from our sponsors. So please support our show by supporting them. And thank you. The unofficial Shopify podcast was recorded and hosted by me, Kurt Elster, produced by my business partner, Paul Rita, for our Shopify partner agency, EtherCycle. Check us out at EtherCycle.com. Thanks for listening.